You're listening to Recovery, Healing, Outreach, and Awareness, a podcast about domestic violence, sponsored by Randy's House of Angels. Domestic or intimate partner violence is a complex and silent epidemic that affects millions of people worldwide. To respond to the overwhelming issues associated with domestic violence, Randy's House of Angels has produced a series of podcasts beginning in October that will bring this epidemic to the forefront of public consciousness and break the silence that often shrouds it. I'm Paul Miller, the producer of this program, and we invite you to access the podcasts by going to randyshouseofangels.org. Today's topic will be how victims continue to repeat the cycle of domestic violence, including a candid account of a survivor's story and her experience in being victimized and becoming the abuser. Her experience will give you a perspective on how victims migrate through the different stages of surviving and are challenged to break this cycle of domestic violence. Today, we would like to introduce you to Queen Afi Gaston. Queen Afi is a native Washingtonian. She attended Washington, D.C. public schools and graduated from McKinley Senior High School, class of 1993. She has rightfully obtained a confirmed Bachelor of Science in Criminal Justice from American Intercontinental University in Hoffman, Illinois, and confirmed a Master of Sciences in Human Services with a specialization in mental health counseling from Capella University in Minneapolis, Minnesota. She's the founder of the DVWMT, the Domestic Violence Wears Many Tags, a local nonprofit based in Southeast Washington, D.C., serving as an educational and resource center for the helpless victims, abusers, families, and survivors of domestic violence. Queen Afi is an accomplished moderator for community and ministry events, a renowned blogger, and a motivational speaker on social issues of domestic violence and mental health. She is the host of two educational internet-based talk shows, The Abuser's Side Education, and The Brokenness to Boldness Survival Stories, and has interviewed over 100 survivors, victims, and abusers combined. Today's facilitator on the Randy's House of Angels podcast is Dr. Ellen Smith, M.D., Dr. Smith retired after 30 years of teaching and practicing in family medicine education in the Harrisburg area. Since she retired, she has spent a great deal of time learning about adversity and how to bounce back and become more resilient. She is very appreciative to have had the opportunity to educate thousands of people about these topics. Each training is customized for the participant, focused with many practical applications for immediate use. Her medical background helps build trust and understanding during trainings. She spends a great deal of time volunteering at the Trinity Preschool of Harrisburg. Considering that there is a lot of adversity, such as poverty, racism, and other discrimination within our preschool community, there's also a great opportunity to support and build resilience. Additionally, Dr. Smith volunteers at her local church. She has also developed a tool called the Personal Resilience Planner, which takes the above concepts and provides a practical way to look at strengths, trauma responses, resilience, and how to progress in these areas over time. Queen of Fee, so good to see you. In the past podcast, we've looked at types of abuse and people having difficulty leaving and conversations with people who've been abused as well as families who've lost someone to abuse. I'm so excited to hear your story as a victim, survivor, abuser, and now on your journey to healing. I'm hoping that you would tell us a little bit about your story, please. 
Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's glad to be here with you too. As you stated, I am or was a victim of domestic violence. Um, and that started roughly around 14 or 15 years old, where, um, of course, we were in young teen dating violent relationships. Um, and those things turned out to be verbal, you know, emotional, and very quickly, physically abuse um, was obscured. So I dealt with that. When my best friend was shot five times, that kind of made me put up a wall and say, you know, I would never be the victim of this. And so I put that wall up and I consciously said, look, when I get into relationships, I will be, nobody is not going to put their hands on me, no more strangle me, no more um, hit me with a Timberland boot, no more. I became that person. I became that person that dictated what my victim would do. And I became that person who tracked my victim. I became that person who isolated um, the psychology of my victim. And, you know, that very quickly turned into um, physical abuse. Wow. Thank you for your story very much. So you mentioned a couple of ways that you dominated your victims. And it sounds like perhaps in a relationship. Can you talk a little bit more about that? And the reason for this question is that uh, many of our uh, audience members will be abusers and many mm -hmm. of them will be victims and some of them will be both. And I think perhaps expounding on that a little bit more and, and trying to help people understand how to come come out of that type of thing or how to respond to that type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, victim turn abuser. Victim turn abuser a lot, male and female. You know, part of that is that victim saying, this will never happen to me. Like I said myself, this will never happen to me again. And so I become that person who is, you know, inflicting the pain upon another, which could be an innocent person who never, you know, dealt with violence, who never was in this situation, but yet they find themselves in this situation. Um, we really need to start educating um, and calling out abusers. Like we have to start educating them and talking to them. And that is what happened for me. I made a decision, you know, after several arrests <laughs> that did not tell me I was in a domestic violence relationship, they called it assault. Well, assault sounds like I'm defending myself. It doesn't sound like I'm the abuser inflicting pain upon others. Um, so the language, you know, needs to speak to what's really going on here. The multitude of abusers who are getting charged with assault. You know, it's not like, okay, she tried to kill her baby father. See, that's something different. Well, she tried to kill a loved one. Like, that's that's a different type of thing from a brain perspective. So um, I think we have to start. And I, I have a monthly um, secret call that I do with abusers. And they're able to call in and hear that, okay, wow. This is what I'm actually doing. This is what um going on with me. Here's the language I've been waiting to hear, you know, because I wanted to find out what was going on with me, what was going on with my mindset, you know, and then not only learn behavior at our dinner tables is a very, it's, oh my goodness, it's like the dinner table will make you or break you, like literally. And so, you know, we have that part going on where abusers are able to call into my line and hear these conversations and begin to admit, this was me. 
I'm so glad you're doing this call. So I think we got to get, you know, it's not just a thing where you lock up the abuse and throw away the key. Because a lot of abusers get charged and they get right back out, you know, or they get probation, they get right back out. Okay, so yes, you do the domestic violence classes, but what's really going on? Are we talking to other abusers? Are we learning from other abusers? Or is this a whole textbook thing? That's where, you know, I think it should start trending at and going to. Queen Afia, you said something that I think is so important is that um, some abusers don't realize they're abusing and you have a very safe space via a phone call in which people can have honest discussions and and name it. Um, I've heard the term name it to tame it. And Mm -hmm. I think this is so important about getting those words out, getting safe places. And you have an organization. Would you like to speak about that? Because you're so passionate and I'm betting all that passion comes right out in your organization, including <laughs> your secret calls. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. For that. Domestic violence wears many tags and it does wear many tags. It wears many tags in people. And it also wears many tags from an education perspective. You know, there's that, that we educate verbal abuse is the number one way that people find themselves in these abusive relationships and they bypass these red flags, maybe because, you know, this was our dinner table conversation. This is how we communicated. And so, you know, it's familiar when I get into that intimate partner relationship. And so I'm okay. I know about this. I can do this. Um, And then, of course, emotional abuse starts to set in. Now it's that dark space, that dark psychological space of what am I in? Like, oh, my goodness. You know, that 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 part where you start to say, I can't believe that it turned into this. And then, of course, there's financial abuse, which is a tag that my young people love this tag because they can't believe this tag is real and it exists. And they often tell me I was paying for love. Like, (laughs) was I buying love? You know, and we had that amazing conversation about, you know, how you if the abusers say you cannot work a job, you cannot work a job. If the abusers say, you know, what's going on with the bank account, you have to pull the bank account up and show what's going on with the bank account. You know, financial abuse is real. And this is a tag that can show up without physical abuse. You know, we have so many women and men who find their bank accounts on zero, you know, and these are six figure, <laughs> you know, people. It's a tag that we don't talk about, you know, and we link it to identity theft, you know. And then, of course, there's sexual abuse at our dinner tables where we don't talk about the good touch and bad touch with our, with our young people at our dinner tables. You know, um, they call their body parts poo-poo, pee-pee, wah-wah, nee na 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 Everything but what the body part actually is, which is what we need our young people to know. And I made physical abuse last because the best abuser don't even put their hands on you. So we need to stop asking people where your marks at because the abuser, may there may never be any marks. And this person is in an abusive relationship. So, you know, I'm pushing these tags all over. And on those calls, (laughs) we talk about these tags. Do you often see that people don't think they're being abused if there's not physical abuse or any other scenarios? Yes, ma'am. I often see that a lot. 
we've gotten into, you know, the movement started out with physical abuse and show me the marks that the movement did obscure because of that. But I'm telling you today, that is not the case because there may never be any marks, you know, and people be saying, so you mean then there may never be any marks people. And I said, there may never so verbal abuse and emotional abuse is real. This is why survivors say those two tags right there. Uh-uh. I cannot do them. I'm still suffering today. And I've been out of this relationship five, 10 years, and I'm still suffering today from the physical, from the um verbal and emotional abuse. It's verbal and emotional abuse is treacherous. And now young people don't even know how severe those two tags are. And then you have, you know, survivors who have never looked at this perspective the way I pose it to them. And they say, oh, my goodness, I thought it was the physical abuse. You know, but now since you're saying it like that, Queen, the verbal abuse and the emotional abuse is, is what's really getting to me and what triggers me. And this is why I yell at my children. And this is why I'm very aggressive with my children. So there are those, you know, different scenarios where um, I have to bring it to the prefrontal cortex about verbal and emotional abuse being the number tags one and two, the way the abuser will get you and the way the abuser will keep you in the relationship. Thank you so much. That's wonderful. You mentioned the young people that you talk to. Are there any common, oh my goodnesses, or I didn't knows that you hear over and above what you've already mentioned? Yeah, there's a lot of that. When I say that I was the abuser, my young people go crazy because nobody's not saying it at no school, talking about domestic violence and trying to educate our young people. And I'm a woman. And at this time, I was 125 pounds, five foot two. And so let me tell you, it has no profile. Stop trying to profile who can be the abuser and who can't. Because any one of us can be the victim, turn abuser. Any one of us. And so they will pull me to the side and say, I think I know what you're talking about. That was me. Or I think my mom, my dad was like that. Now that you're putting it that way. So my young people come very quickly to the revelation that, hmm, this could be me. So and I really appreciate them for that because nobody's not saying it. So anytime they want they hear me say that and want to pull me to the side, we're going to have that conversation. We're going to chime into, you know, those extra questions that or concerns that they may have when I talk about the, the abuser's behavior. According to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, one in 15 children witness intimate partner violence each year, with a staggering 90% of them being eyewitness to this trauma. But there's hope. Randy's House of Angels has been a beacon of support, serving over 250 children since 2012. Join us in making a difference for these young hearts. Learn more at randyshouseofangels.org. Together, we can bring healing to those who need it most. So 
you mentioned this could be me that abusers go from just doing what they do to recognizing their abusers and how do you help people or how do you see people going from being an abuser to no longer being abuser to to becoming healed and uh, moving on with a healthy life and perhaps healthy relationships absolutely they have to do the same thing victims do be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind Learn the behavior, understand the behavior, ask those questions. Abusers have a lot of why questions too. We need to be answering those why questions for abusers. How did I get here? You know, what happened to me? Queen, you think it started from there? You know, I had a young a, a brother tell me that um his mom would put the belt in hot water, let it swell up, and whoop him with this belt and he just couldn't fathom the words you know that I was saying in perspective to the abuser's side education and how that traumatized him to the point where you know we find ourselves self-medicating you know and finding ways to try to cover up the trauma that we have experienced that's atrocious to a child and I said get your mother and I'll tell her <laughs> Because, no, this is inappropriate behavior that happened towards you. So, you know, just giving, allowing, you know, the abusers that space to say, that safe space to say, this is what happened to me. And this is why I could be trending the same behavior. Because certainly, you know, he was having trouble with his own children. He was having trouble with his own children because there's that cycle of, we don't talk about it, sweep it under the rug. What goes on in my house stays in my house. There's that cycle of that. And so when abusers find themselves in a safe space to share and hear others sharing, other abusers sharing, it's amazing. It's amazing the transformation that can happen and that I've witnessed happen in those settings. Transformation. I love it. So I'm going to ask, you mentioned dinner table conversations, and some of it probably relates to the fact that uh, what we see at home is what we tend to do when we grow up. Are there some dinner table conversation starters that perhaps parents uh, out there could bring up, or perhaps we could bring up with, with others that we are in safe spaces with that would mm -hmm. help us to recognize and to stop the cycle of abuse? Absolutely. Let's start with that verbal abuse because <laughs> it's the number one way. You know, I think if we can recognize how we communicate with each other and allow if I, I believe the safe space started home. Nobody should be going outside side their home looking for a safe space. I believe that safe space starts at the dinner table. So let's start with some word. You know, let's talk about our feelings. Let's, let's just throw out confusion. Throw that word confusion out there. And see what the perspectives are of everybody at the dinner table. You know, I've been confused. I've been confused about my life. I've made mistakes. I've said things that I had no business saying. In confusion, because I could not rationalize the trials or the tribulations that I was experiencing. Let's get more transparent at that dinner table. Let's start telling the truth and stop the scandalous behavior that goes on with those words that we try to, you know, tell a child, oh, that's not what you saw. You know, what you think you saw, that's not what you saw. Let's stop manipulating our children's minds 
at the dinner table and let's get real about what our young people are feeling and what they are experiencing. And it's hard to, you know, little children are to be seen and not heard. That's the most corrupt thing ever that you can tell a child. Because guess what? They gonna go look for that. Now they on the computer. You know, now they out the house all hours of the night searching for somebody to hear them. To hear them? Uh, come on, you mean to tell me you can't hear what your child is trying to tell you? Words are always a good place to start. And when I get those hundred words, I carry a hundred words with me in the school system. When I lay those words out for my young people and we start talking about the words, it becomes this whole amazing thing about the words. And I had, I just recently, I'm going to share this with you all and uh, we're going to move on very quickly. Uh, I, I recently was doing a camp with my young people and, you know, I turned the words over and say, pick a word, pick a word. So everybody pick a word. And one of my young babies, she must be about eight. She picked lies. Her word was lies. And she said, oh, I lie. I said, bless your heart, baby girl. Bless your heart. This is exactly the truth and transparency that we need at our dinner tables. Uh, so true. And I just love the the word, the idea of words and that you uh open up for children and, and young adult, young people to use words. Something that I've seen a lot of is that we minimize a lot of times children or young people's um, feelings. And sometimes adults will say a child will hit their, hit their head and be crying. And you're like, Oh, don't cry. It mm -hmm. doesn't hurt. Or they'll say, I'm sad. Oh, you're not sad. You're just something. Can you talk a little bit about that? And also going back to the dinner table, I mean, it's the same thing. We might look at the the past day and say, oh, I, I had this happen and I feel blank. So I mm -hmm. uh, would love to hear how we, at least many people that I've been myself and seen is just telling kids that they're not supposed to feel. I know that uh, in my house growing up, um, I wasn't allowed to be angry or mad or most anything other than happy, but there was another person in my family who could be anything and loud and obnoxious and everything else. But the rest of us keep that mouth shut. Mm -hmm. You know, that's very easy to do. Parents, you know, a bit of um discrimination. I have no reason. I have no idea why that discrimination exists, but there's a bit of discrimination amongst the children. I love all my children the same. And the children will say, do you love me the most? <laughs> I love all of you the same. We, we're going to make that distinction. But getting back to that dinner table, that's that manipulation piece again, where you're manipulating what the child is trying to tell you. That's a no, 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 no. Because we're teaching them inadvertently how to lie and how not to feel, you know, and, 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 and how to cover up, how to put that mask on, how to tell themselves, oh, it's okay, it's all right, when it's actually bad. See, and then that's when children start to seek outside the dinner table, you know, and they may meet somebody like me, the abuser. You know, and then I'm listening to them talk about what they feel. And they're telling me, wow, you, you heard what I said. My parents don't even listen to me. 
but you heard what I said. That right there has to stop. It has to stop. We have to allow our children the freedom to feel and know words because when they get out there in that world, Queen of Fee is not going to reach all the abusers in one lifetime. <laughs> okay, so it would take me 600 times around the sun uh, before I can meet every abuser, all right? Because that's how fast victim turn abuser. This is how much victim turn abuser. Um, so when they get out there in the world, we got to make sure they know these words because the abuser knows the words. The abuser knows how to soften that victim up, potential victim. We talking about a potential victim. Okay, not even a victim yet. And the abuser are very good listeners. They are very good listeners. They chime into the sad parts of their child. Like you mentioned, that sad word. The child is not allowed to, to be sad. That's not right. The child should be allowed to be sad at that dinner table. And we chime into that. Hey, I've been sad before. Why parents are so afraid to identify with the words is beyond me. But you're a parent. Okay? And if you're going to be a parent, then you have to learn to be transparent about those words. And open up and share. And remember, parents, you have to remember where you come from. And that you were sad at some point in your life. Even when you are told that you can't be sad, you end up being sad. You know, so... We got to do better as parents with being open and transparent with our stories, remembering those ages. So when your child say, was you, uh, you know, mommy, daddy, were you ever mad at five, at six or seven? Because I'm upset. I'm, I'm mad. I'm sad. That's when we need to very quickly identify. You know what? I was upset at, at six, five. Let me tell you what happened to me. And your child identifies that and it makes them feel better and it makes them trust you and it makes them want to talk more about every time they're saying. So this is something that we have to get better at doing. We cannot be afraid of the words because the abuser knows these words. So I'm hearing a lot of to talk about things, not to over, you know, just ignore them, as well as you mentioned, transparency and knowing the words. Is there a role for apologies when we as parents mess up, which we will, of course, do? Yes, ma'am. Dive right into I'm sorry. You know, I apologize. I'm not the smartest person on the planet. I made a mistake. I'm constantly following up with my own children and letting them know, look, I made a mistake. All right. Okay. I didn't mean to. <laughs> Things happen, you know, but let's get back on track. It's teamwork make the dream work at the dinner table. It's effective communication that makes that dinner table work. It is opening up parents, opening up grandparents, opening up about that story. Parents, let's get transparent. <laughs> let's get transparent at that dinner table. Let's open up and begin to share. You know, your children need that side of you. They need to understand that we as parents, we struggle. It, it, it was not always like this. It has been a struggle. And it will always be a struggle. But we got to prepare them for, you know, 
surviving out there in that world. You know, and everybody uses words to make or break the child. Can you talk a little bit about moving from being a victim to becoming an abuser? It sounds like uh, to some extent you were just so sick and tired of being victimized that you wanted to have a leg up. I definitely got a leg up. <laughs> I definitely got a leg. I got more than a leg up, okay? Because I was determined that what happened to my best friend would never happen to me. I was determined that that would never happen to me. And so when I got into relationships, I was the verbal abuser that you did not want to meet. All right. Because I was not going to tolerate it. And then I was the physical abuser. You know, I would physically assault and smack, push, shove that person, that male that I was in a relationship with. I would threaten. There's that piece where you threaten the violence against that that victim. So I made threats and I kept my promises on those threats. That's another thing that, that people need to understand. We tell victims, just leave, just leave, just leave. But where are they going? Where are they, where are they going when that abuser knows everything about the victim's routine? Where are they going? When that victim knows everything, when that abuser knows everything about the traveling of that victim. So where are they going? You know, so that's not something we need to tell victims. And when when somebody told my victim, you know, you need to leave her alone, stop talking to her. Oh, it was instantly you're not talking to them. <laughs> you know, and that could be your mother, your father, your sister, your brother. You're not talking to them because they're interfering in what we have going on. I mean, so the abuser is very cunning at the end of the day and knows how to use these words amongst someone who is uh, never thought they would meet me. And I told my son, I said, son, look, let me say something to you. You don't want to meet your mother <laughs> out there in that world. All right. So let look, let me say something to you. Zero tolerance for verbal abuse, for doing it to people as well as accepting that as your conversation, because you don't want to meet me. You will lose everything meeting me out there. So, you know, we got, and I'm very transparent with my children. That has been my, you know, my journey. That's my story. I'm sticking to it because it's a huge gap. It's a huge gap in the way we are educating people on domestic violence. Yes, the victim, victim, I get that. But what about the abuser? Because the abuser is going to go right out and get another victim. It's nothing for the abuser to go out, dress up, put on a suit and tie, or put on a skirt and get another victim. What, what, what about that side? So that's why I'm very happy you all had me on here to talk about this. On my internet talk show, I work with a male abuser. We work together to let people see that male we want male abusers to identify that, hey, it's a man out here saying, look, I beat up on women. Am I proud of it? No. That is why I'm here trying to give this side back out to the world because it is a huge gap in the way we are educating when it comes to domestic violence. 
That's so wonderful. And let me just uh, mention that in the show notes, we're going to put your organization, Domestic Violence Where Wears Many Tags, um, so that people can look you up and, and find out all the resources you have. In the next couple of two to three minutes, do you have any last minute comments? I'm just so excited about what you've said and um, the passion that you've said it with, Queen of Feet. Last comments, please. Can I ask you a question? Of course. <laughs> Did you learn something here today? <laughs> Absolutely. I learned so much. Uh, you know what? The biggest thing for me was just how to see things and how to how to hear things mm -hmm. um, and just obviously your experience. And, and I think you're bringing experience from the, the words that you hear from and the feelings that you hear from many young people. Mm -hmm. And um, that's priceless. Yeah. Yeah. Getting the young people on board because, you know, they feisty. They, you know, this generation is feisty. This generation do not want to be lied to. They don't want to be cheated. And they certainly don't know how to deal with it when it's their dinner table doing it to them. And of course, you know, we see this in research that, you know, this this tears a child up, you know. And so I'm so grateful to be here and have this opportunity to share with you all on my journey. Seven years of me out here educating since 2008. All right. I brought this organization to the forefront and said, we're going to educate everybody at that dinner table. No one will be singled out. Great grandma and great grandpa on down the line. Right. And as I was out teaching and educating around different schools, ministry, agencies, my daughter was murdered. You know, my daughter was shot in the head, um, holding her two month old baby in her arms on 7-30-2016. You know, that's a reason for me to go high and be quiet and never indulge in this conversation again. But let me tell you something. I have not shut up. Do you hear me? I have not shut up. I'm going to continue to speak about this because this is what's going on at our dinner table, I want us to have better dinner tables. I want us to communicate transparently. And I want everybody to say, hey, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Because you didn't have to share that with me. You did not have to say that to me. And my daughter encouraged me to have these conversations with her generation. So she, yes, she was at the schools with me. She was pushing her mom. She wanted her mom to talk to her friends, get them together, mom, because, hey, this conversation that you having, we need to hear it. And so I continue to, you know, in her right, um, inspire and share and, and have that transfer space where men and women can reach out, teen boys and girls can reach out and get that safe space that they need. So I really appreciate you all. Thank you so much for letting me share and be a part of the conversation. Thank you, Queen of Fee. I'm so excited that uh, many people have learned today, whether it be the young people or the grown-ups, that they can work to make their dining room tables a safer space. Thank you very much. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Randy's House of Angels is sponsoring a series of podcasts that will serve as a resource to anyone impacted by domestic violence, including parents, guardians, caseworkers, health providers, advocates, 
teachers, trauma specialists, clinicians, and more to provide an overview of domestic violence and how to handle situations where domestic violence is present. This is a series of 10 podcasts that will include an overview in healthy relationships, the different types of abuse, supporting someone who is engaged in an unhealthy relationship, and criminal justice resources available to victims. It will also include testimony and stories from courageous survivors who are victims of domestic violence. The podcast will be released starting in October of 2023 and run through February of 2024. If you miss a podcast, it will be made available on demand on Randy's House of Angels website at randyshouseofangels.org. After you've listened to our podcast, we would love to hear from you. Your feedback is crucial for the future of our podcast programs. There is a survey available on our website at randyshouseofangels.org. You can also reference the resources that support the podcast on the website, again, at randyshouseofangels.org. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.